you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Would you pray with me? Lord, I'm thankful to gather, even with these few folks, uh, as a representation of the broader gathering that we have across the internet and the phone lines, the satellites, and whatever it takes to get connected for the sole purpose of glorifying you of offering any of our gifts and our graces and our lives before your throne. We thank you for the way your spirit has drawn us in, how you have uh, begun to prepare our hearts and minds to hear you. Would you continue to do that? And would you speak in and through and despite me that we might uh, be transformed and go forth as a people bearing witness to your kingdom at hand? We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I have gone to school uh, for like 13 years after high school. I wanted to be a doctor, uh, but I didn't want to go to school for 10 years, so I chose other paths that took me to school for 13 years. Uh, Every one of the degrees I did ended up with some kind of focus uh, that brought me back to mission. What I've I've come to realize is that uh, when people don't know what to do, they craft mission statements. In business school, we started to learn this, that uh, you wanted to have some kind of catchy mission statement that ensured that you maximize shareholder value. When, you, uh, when I went to my MBA program, we started talking about mission statements that maybe uh, help people see that you are doing good while also maximizing shareholder value. When I got to seminary, I learned that uh, if you don't know what to do, strip everything back to the beginning and come up with a mission statement. There are now uh, Christian companies who make Uh, lots of money going into churches and saying, let's come up with a new mission statement and a ministry action plan. I've become skeptical of mission statements despite our church having one. Everybody has one, but how many actually are living into what their mission statement says? American Express. We work hard every day to make American Express the world's most respected service brand. Warby Parker to offer designer eyewear at a revolutionary price while leading the way for socially conscious businesses. I do love my Warby Parker readers. I keep a pair by my uh, desk at home. Uh, Honest Tea to create and promote great tasting, healthy, organic beverages. Ikea to create a better everyday life for many people. Nordstrom. I don't know the last time I've been in a Nordstrom, but their mission is to give customers the most compelling shopping experience possible. That's not necessarily what I think about when I think about Nordstrom. Savannah's nodding her, or shaking her head, that is correct. Uh, Jet Blue to inspire humanity both in the air and on the ground. That is not the first thing I think of with Jet Blue. I think of some of the news stories. Uh, Prezi to reinvent how people share knowledge, tell stories, and inspire one another to act. And Tesla to uh, accelerate the world's transformation to sustainable energy. Um, Every company has some mission statement. GE to be the number one or number two in any business we are in. Uh, was their big thing back in the day. And good to great, we made a big deal about how uh, that was how they were going to thrive. GE has fallen apart. Mission statements uh, are fun to make, but they hardly ever actually lead to anything. Churches love them. 
uh, a church I, I have been fond of for years talks about uh, helping non-Christians and nominally Christians become passionate followers of Christ. Ours is to make disciples across the street and around the world. A few years ago, we realized that we're all just rehashing the same thing in the church, that our mission is to go and make disciples. We talked about it last week, that this is the great commission that Jesus gave us. Go, make disciples, teaching and baptizing. Uh, if, if that's our strategy, our, our task at hand, what, what's the mission behind it? What's the reason? I've been reflecting a lot that, this week on what uh, led Jesus to that, and I'm struck by what his mission was. Uh, almost all scholars across the board, especially the ones that I love uh, and have influenced me, have been pointing me uh, to one place as Jesus' understanding of his own mission. In Luke chapter 4, it talks about him going to the synagogue as was his custom. He opened up the Isaiah scroll and began to read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. This seems to be the driving ethos of Jesus' ministry, to go and set people free. To go and set the Jewish people free from a system that they had created that ultimately oppressed them despite its good intentions. A system that was meant to try to usher God's presence back to the temple to bring forth the year of the Lord, but instead put more and more people into oppression, trampled on more and more people, caused more and more harm. And so Jesus, Jesus sees his ministry and this ministry that Isaiah talked about to preach the good news, to proclaim release, to announce recovery of sight to blind, to liberate the oppressed and proclaim that the year of the Lord was at hand. And many have argued that if this was Jesus' mission, it is clearly our mission. That when Jesus says, go and make disciples, he's using shorthand for go and do everything I have done. Not just teach them to not sin so they can go to heaven, but to go and actually make authentic disciples who announce liberation themselves. This is seen in many of the stories of Jesus' ministry where he goes and sets people free. Jesus spends far more time on healing and restoring than on behavior modification, though that is absolutely a part of Jesus' ministry, is a call to personal holiness. He, he starts with meeting people where they are and setting them free before he talks anything about their behavior. If it's Jesus' mission, it's ours. It's so clearly in the stories he does. We, we like to preach the story of the widow's mite where she goes and puts her last two coins in uh, to the temple treasury. And we like to preach it as a story of look at her sacrificial giving. Look at the way she's given her last bit. We'll turn, prosperity gospel preachers will turn it into if she's given her last two coins, give your last two coins and God will bless you in abundance. That is not what that passage is about, friend. It's about a system of impression where the temple leaders are allowing this widow give her very last cent so that they might amass riches. 
The very next passage is Jesus saying, I'm going to tear this whole thing down and rebuild it all. It's metaphorical in that he's talking about the whole system rooted uh, in his death and resurrection, but it's also definitely an indictment of the religious leaders and the ways in which they are trampling on the marginalized even as they seek to do good. So if Jesus' mission is liberation and we're called to embody his mission, how do we do that? We all have some kind of strategy. Ours is worship, grow, and serve. You hear engage, equip, and inspire. Uh, know, grow, and go. Everybody has these three sets of things, right? Uh, those are absolutely our strategy for disciple making once you are compelled by the Jesus story. But first, you have to be compelled. And usually that comes from an encounter that changes your life. We don't see a ton of people just busting down the doors of churches to come worship, grow, and serve if they've not been compelled by somebody or something. The days of people just showing up to the nearest church because that is what is expected of them are gone. Christendom is over and people are not just going to walk in the doors because it's up the road. They're going to be drawn by your witness and my witness and the witness of your friends and your neighbors. And they're going to be drawn because they see that life it's a life of freedom in Christ. And that things are different. In Matthew's gospel, uh, we have this passage where they're sent out to go and set people free. Jesus already has his sermon for the insiders. The Sermon on the Mount has come for three chapters before where he's talked about behavior. I, don't just murder. I say don't be angry. Don't commit adultery. Heck, I say don't lust. Don't, don't any of these things. He, he lays down the law of what personal holiness looks like. But that's his message for the insiders who've been captivated and compelled by the Jesus story who went to the mountain with him. He doesn't send people out saying, go tell them to get their behavior right and then I'll set them free. He tells them something else. Hear this story again through the lens of Jesus' ministry of liberation. Jesus traveled among all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, announcing the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. Now Jesus saw the crowds, and he had compassion for them because they were troubled and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the size of the harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. Therefore, plead to the Lord of the harvest to send out his workers for the harvest. He called the 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to throw them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. Here are the names of those, first, of those 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the Cananean, and Judas, who betrayed Jesus. Jesus sent the twelve out and commanded them, don't go in among the Gentiles or into the Samaritan city. Go instead to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. As you go, make this announcement. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin diseases, and throw out demons. You receive without having to pay, therefore go Give without demanding payment. I've become convinced this week that this, this model of sending is not just descriptive of a moment, but prescriptive for our life, for the ways in which we might live out the mission, the common mission that Christ has called us to. 
And I think it starts at the very beginning. Jesus saw the crowds. He had compassion on them, for they were troubled and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion is this nice little Christianese word, uh, but, but the Greek word really drives at this uh, depth of despair in his inward being for the state of these people. Uh, sometimes I like the amplified translation that gives you the sense, this, this groaning on the behalf of of an oppressed people. This has been God's character since the beginning of the story. Uh, The common creed before we had the creeds was God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Jesus is moved at the depths of his being for these troubled and helpless people. These people being harmed by their own religious leaders These people that he has been ministering to at this point for however long. And he's healing left and right. He's teaching left and right. He's casting out demons left and right. And the work is too big. So I think the first step for us is our hearts. Our hearts to be troubled for hurting people. To have Christ's, Christ hurt in our hearts. And then he says, the harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. Plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. Plead here in the CEB is great. Uh, Most translations are going to say, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Uh, My weekly emails are starting to feel a bit redundant because I keep saying we need to wear out our knees in prayer. Friends, I think after we see God's heart, our second step is to intercede to God and say, send me and send us and send those who you would have. Send out workers for the task at hand is huge. If Jesus needs to call and send people, we need to call and send people. He called the 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to throw them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. Christ's heart is broken for people. They pray to God and then he gives them giftings to go and do ministry. I still believe in the ministry of healing and the ministry of casting out demons. I have seen people healed. It's not the ministry for everybody. We're going to read in Paul and in James that there are absolutely people called to the ministry of healing and ministry of casting out demons. There's people called to the ministry of, proper, uh, of prophecy, people called to the ministry of hospitality, that we each have our own giftings that will be the way the Spirit enables us to be part of the harvest. But if we stop and look, every one of them is a gift that, that moves people towards freedom and towards liberation, towards Justice towards a life where they're treated as people created in the image of God. For though here he sends people to cast out demons and to heal, he might very well be sending you to somebody's front porch with a meal, with uh, an anonymous donation to pay the electricity bill that you know they can't pay right now. It might be a lawn mowed, or it might be 
the ministry of casting out demons, the ministry of supernatural healing, it might be a prayer life that uh, calls other people to intercede to the Father. The, lifts of, the list of spiritual gifts, the list of ways that God enables us to do his ministry is vast. But God will equip everyone that he has called and God has called all of his disciples to go. And so we have our hearts broken and we pray for God to send the workers into the harvest, including us. We operate out of the authority and the giftings that God has given us. And then we don't do it alone. Jesus didn't send out Peter and say, hey, go handle this. He didn't say the Thaddeus. It's my favorite, right? We all think about the Thaddeus stories. Uh, hey, Thaddeus, go and handle this. He sends out the 12 to go and be about his ministry it's ministry of healing, of restoration. Friends, I believe that our ministry is to be one of community, in this community of the church. We're called to a common task to embody Jesus' mission in Luke 4, a common ministry to go out into the harvest and to do it together. Our hearts are to be broken the way Jesus is broken. We're to pray to God the Father to reveal Workers, including us and what our particular gifting are, and then to operate out of the ministry of the church universal. And then to go obediently where God has called us to go. Uh, Brad and I were texting yesterday about his children's message and the difficulty of uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 in the context of where our world is right now. Jesus sent the 12 out and commanded them, don't go to the Gentiles or into a Samaritan city, Go instead to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. Amongst Jesus' contemporaries, uh, there was surely a disdain for Gentiles and the Samaritans. Uh, a few years ago, Rachel Tell Evans uh, caused a massive up uproar with a tweet that wasn't uh, well-crafted, but that was probably actually correct. She said that Jesus had to overcome his racism uh, uh, in his life. Uh, people have struggled with that description. Uh, they've wrestled with the uh, ability of Jesus to sin. I think if I were going to send that tweet, it would take about 400 characters, but it would say something to the effect of Jesus as fully human grew up in the midst of a society that saw Gentiles and racists as less than or other and outsiders. And his ministry had to transcend that when his community would say that it's not appropriate. Jesus saw his calling to broken Israel first, but so many of his healings acknowledge the wholeness of Gentiles. He heals the Roman centurion's daughter. He goes out with Jairus. He's at step after step actually giving more liberation to the Gentiles. And let's not forget about the Samaritan woman and the ways in which he invites her to restoration and actually to... Uh, uh, to wholeness in her community, to announce that uh, he would give her living water. This passage isn't that Jesus uh, thinks there isn't ministry for Gentiles or Samaritans. It's that the ministry in this moment is to Israel. Clearly, at the end of Matthew's gospel, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And we know from Acts that when the Spirit is pouring out on the church, the, the mandate is to go to Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
Jesus' ministry is not ever one about exclusion. It's a ministry of going where God has sent you. I think the church absolutely needs to do uh, international missions and things far away in ways that uh, are good and healthy, but we glamorize those beyond uh, as better or more important than the ministry right here in our own neighborhoods. We'll raise up a couple thousand dollars real quick to send somebody to Mexico to build a house. But we'll struggle when we find out that there are people at Davis Bottom who don't know where their next meal is coming from. That there are people in the 40509 who are hurting and broken. There are sent people, there are apostles whose particular ministry is to go out. They're pretty few in the Bible. The the idea of leaving behind your home and going to some distant land is fairly small. For every Paul, there are a dozen Phoebes who are called to be in the area and to do a ministry. For every Barnabas sent out to go, there's a Priscilla and Aquila who are in their space to do their ministry. I believe that Jesus has asked us to have our hearts broken for the people his hearts are broken for, to pray to God for workers for the harvest, including ourselves, with the particular giftings that God has given us, to do it within the context of the church and then to do it in the area where God has placed us. He tells the disciples, go and make the announcement. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin diseases, and throw out demons. Friends, I think this is the map of how we live out Jesus' mission and our mission. I think it's, it's right here, and it's something that I have missed for most of my life. We talked about it last week, and, and I hate to keep beating the same drum, but if our understanding of the gospel is that it's about avoiding hell and going to heaven, we're going to miss all this. We're going to go out and we're going to preach the Sermon on the Mount before we go and announce liberation. Friends, I think we have to shift our entire worldview and end times view that the end times absolutely matter. But the power of the resurrection is the life here and now. The power to go and do to embody Jesus' ministry as he understood it from Luke 4 and and to go and do the way he has commanded in, in Matthew 9 and 10. It has changed my life and I hope it changes yours. I know there are so many of you who are already fully bought into this, who have Uh, gone way ahead of me in terms of what it means to have a ministry of liberation and justice, a ministry of setting people free. I love that this church isn't scattered into 25, 30 different missions, that we have gotten pretty laser focused, especially on common good. Not as uh, outside liberators, but as those who've joined with folks on the ground, folks doing the ministry that you have called the church to do. Uh, Love seeing your hearts to set people free and how you back it up with your lives. Despite this pandemic and despite the fact that we can't gather, despite the fact that our missions and ministries look different, 
we're still a people called and equipped. A people uh, prepared and a people sent. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, break our heart for what breaks yours. Hear our prayers for more laborers to go into the harvest. Help us know our giftings, the ways in which your spirit enables us to go. Unite us broadly with the church in her work and help us have eyes to see to where it is you have sent us. And then go with us and sustain us by your Holy Spirit that we might live our common mission filled with your spirit, setting people free, that they might encounter you and be compelled by who you are. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.